Hey, hi, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in to the Bacon Warrior Podcast, episode tres punto cinco. I don't know how to do halves in Spanish. Uh, today, Big Sav joins us. We talk updates from the recruiting trail. We take a look at roster projections for Michigan State next year on the basketball court. And then we each give our rankings for 10 TV shows that we think you should watch during quarantine. So it's going to be a really fun show. I'm stalling at this point for no fucking reason. Here's Spartan Dog 97. (laughs) Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. What I'm not getting called a cuck by my conservative family members on Facebook. I'm Spartan Dog 97. Uh, Joining me as always is my co-host, Lucas Whitney. Lucas, what's going on? Oh, not much. You know, just uh, enjoying some lovely Excel spreadsheets behind me. For the, <laughs> for the audio listeners and the for the audio listeners out there, which is all of you, because I don't post the video, uh, Lucas took it upon himself to build a green screen. And um, yeah, go ahead, keep going. Sitting behind, and he chose this setting as an Excel spreadsheet. So, do you want the real ex- ones? No, the real ones. No. So, do you want to explain this DIY mastery and? Uh. Yeah, mastery is what I'd call it. Um, I used I went to Menards and I realized they didn't have command strips because Menards sucks ass. Um, and so I bought chandelier hangers like to hang the chain on, and I used a white bed sheet that we don't use anymore. Um, Greg Henson wanted to use it, but uh, I said I said no. You know I want to use it for my green screen. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble, but whatever. Uh, and I, I ordered construction paper online and it got here in a day and I used um, like duct tape to construct it. And it took about 45 sheets, but uh, it, it's here. It's, it's bad radio, but it's really fucking hilarious. Like to use. <laughs> yeah. It is, say, it's the it, world's it, shittiest green screen. It kind of reminds me of, um, that Shutter, uh, Shutter Island. Have you seen that movie? I, I, I mean, you guys have. There's oh, just yeah, a scene yeah. in it where, like, yeah. the green skiing. I, I think it was probably, like, I've only seen it once, but I just remember that was, like, the, the one takeaway I had from that movie, which is how terrible one of the green screen scenes was. When they're on a boat, it just looked, it looked horrible. Right. That I'm not getting in trouble here. with you guys. I don't, know, I don't know how you guys feel about that movie, but <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's my tear Scorsese. Uh, that voice you're hearing, <laughs> by the way, is Big Sav. He he has the screen name Jeff Jackson. He's going to extreme lengths to conceal his identity. Uh, Sav, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. Uh, everything's going pretty well over here. Uh, excited to be on the pod. The, the Gmail account I created was uh, Jeff Jackson's Innocent, by the way. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've gone through extreme lengths to uh, conceal my identity. Although some people do know it, but uh, well, it's you're about- actually Wolverine devotee. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm, a sleeper, I'm a sleeper cell. I'm yeah, a sleeper you are. Cell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to get we're going to get your favorite MSU moment moment in a moment, Sav. But today yeah. we're going to talk about um, how the roster is shaking out for MSU next year. Um, There's still a lot pending, so we'll have some fun speculating that. Uh, 
big dick Mel Tucker is still out on the recruiting trail. <laughs> and he and Alan Triu has put in a few crystal balls as soon as like a few hours ago. So we're going to break down those guys. And then, you know, uh, it looks like this quarantine might not end anytime soon. So we're going to give you our 10 favorite TV shows and recommend that you watch them. So first, we'll start with this. Sav, what's your favorite MSU moment? You know, there are so many, um, especially, you know, in that peak D'Antonio day, like the peak D'Antonio days where it just, you could go down the list. It seemed like MSU had some of the biggest, most, you know, hilarious and just epic wins in all of college football in terms of comebacks and, and whatnot. But I think that might be a little cliche because everybody kind of has those moments where it's like, you know, the 2013 Big Ten title game and the trouble with the snap, which were all-time moments for me too. But uh, I think my favorite moment personally would be kind of my first experience with MSU sports in person. Um, which was, it was 2004. Uh, it was Minnesota versus Michigan State at Spartan Stadium. And I can't remember the, I was a little bit, I was, I think I was 10 years old at the time. So I can't remember the exact record for MSU at that time. It wasn't very good. Um, I think that was after the Michigan debacle. So, you know, and, and at that time, Michigan State was kind of like, Michigan is the season like that that was true for a, at a time it was you know that was kind of true it was like beating Michigan kind of was the biggest thing for Michigan State um and it was so fucking miserable it was like 20 degrees <laughs> snowing I don't know if Lucas was there or not I don't know because I can't remember I don't know when you were there or not but it was uh, just, I was at I was at the 05 or 2004 Wisconsin game. I don't think I was at the Minnesota one. The, okay, that game was hilarious. That's probably yeah. one of the funniest. <laughs> the ass beating. It was like 50. What was it? It was, it was 49 it was, to 14. It was 49 to 14. It was like 42 to zero at halftime or something. It was like, what the hell did happen? But uh, well, no, we but, we got there and it was seven nothing at ha- seven nothing oh, Wisconsin and then they scored 49 in a row. Okay, that's what. Sorry. It was. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, man. no, you're, you're you're probably right. I just remember thinking like that would never happen today where MSU just based on like at least in and D'Antonio days scoring 49 points against a top tier team miss those days uh but uh no it was just horrible it was just I mean Michigan State blew them out but it was like just so so miserable um but for some reason after that game I was like you know what because I was still growing up kind of a Michigan fan I wasn't like really into sports or anything um so, and I don't know, for some reason, right after that game, I was like, all right, Michigan State's the team I'm rolling with from here on out. And so that was 2004, um, you know, but I would still be younger. I didn't really care about sports too much. And that was like the game that got me really into caring about sports and everything. And it was horrible. It was like raining sideways, hailing. There might have been a tornado. It was horrible. Uh, but for some reason, that's just the, the game that just sticks out in my memory. Um, and ever since then, to the hor- for f- four years straight after that, it was not good. So I stuck it out through that and then got rewarded with like eight straight years of good football. And then we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. So um, I was kind of hoping you would share a basketball moment because that would be a smoother transition. But uh, oh, sorry. it's fine. My, it's fine. My basketball moment, uh, the one that it just it scarred me, it was when I was in sixth grade going to uh, – <laughs> 
Michigan, Michigan State at the Chrysler uh, Arena at the time, now it's center. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the streak was for MSU at the time, um, but Michigan State was clearly just like the dominant program in the state. And I went to that game thinking like, all right, uh, I think it was 2006, yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's going to be an easy win. And Daniel Horton went off. Uh, I think Shannon Brown hit a game-tying three, but Izzo called a timeout right beforehand, and then they lost the game, and the fans stormed the court, and it was just, it was just not a good memory for me. But they, it sticks out in my, in my uh, sports uh, memories. All right, good vibes. So <laughs> let's, talk yeah. about, let's talk about the roster outlook for next year. So here's what we know. We know that Cassius is gone. And we know that Kyle is gone. We're only going to touch on scholarship players. Like, obviously, Connor's right, gone, yeah. too. But um, – And, and, uh, and uh, Braden Burke is gone, too. Yeah, that, that, that fan account's been going through it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, that's who we know is gone. Um, coming in, we have A.J. Hoggard. He's a – He's kind of a combo guard. He's from right. Huntington, West Virginia. Um, and Maddie Sissoko, he's a senior. He'll play, he'll play somewhere in the backcourt, forward, center, whatever. Um, the two question marks that we have right now are uh, Jeremy Langford and Xavier Tillman. Um, Langford is still recovering from injury. Right. It's not clear whether he's going to come back or not. Izzo himself, I don't think even knows. But um, Tillman is. I think there was an update. It was, I think, within, a, I think, in a month they'll know. Okay. So that leaves a lot up in the air regarding, yeah. especially you know, further recruiting of other players. But so one thing, one thing we know for sure is that Tillman is testing the waters. I guess my first question to you guys is. Um, is Tillman gone? Go ahead, Sav. Um, I think so. Uh, I just think based on – I for a while I was thinking maybe he wasn't. I wasn't sure how the, you know, the mocks were coming up. But, you know, it's seeming like a lot of the mocks have him not like high. I mean, you know, in the late first, maybe early second. And I think that would probably be enough to get him to go. Um, especially since he has a family right now, a, a, a bigger family. Um, and, you know, the next season, it's kind of up in the air regarding college basketball too. Uh, we don't have, I would personally, I would bet on it happening, but like you never know how his season ended. Um, maybe that's just not a risk he wants to take going forward. Um, you know, having maybe a truncated college basketball season or maybe even not even happening. I don't know. Um, I just think it's a bet that he, he probably should take, in my opinion. Um, I think he'll get drafted in that, I would say, at best case, in like the 25th range would be best case, probably towards 30 to 35 is what I would bet. Um, and But, again, I think that some people – I think the family part can go either way regarding MSU, for MSU or against MSU. Because he has a newborn and he has a lot of, you know, support in Michigan. And we're going just the team uh, and his family is close by. And, you know, it's hard to get into money stuff, but I don't 
the vibe isn't that there's you know that much of an issue right now is what i would say i don't get that much of a vibe of that um and also traveling in the nba can be brutal you know if they have a you know two young kids one's a newborn and he's on the road half the year that can also be hard and if they're in like seattle not seattle sorry sorry sonics fans uh maybe <laughs> oklahoma city or something you know like that's not i mean maybe family moves to help and stuff i don't know that's just a lot of stuff going on um but I think that can go either way for in, in terms of the family aspect. But personally, I think he's gone. And I think it's a, you know, good for him. He's, he's earned it for sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely think he's gone. I'm right there with you. The only way he comes back is if he just is like, I can deal with this for one more year. I want to sharpen my skills. And I want to try to win a natty. That's the only, uh, that's the only reason I'd see him coming back. Selfishly, I'd love him to come back. We all would, but right. he's got to go. He has to go, unless unless he gets like a late second round draft grade. Then I think that might convince him to say, you know what, I might stick it out one more year and and, right. and see what happens. Yeah, like obviously is obviously there's a lot up in the air right now. Um, there's no timeline for when the NBA is going to return, so we don't know. Um, it's hard to project a draft order. I have a mock draft here from NBC Sports that says he's going 26th. So that would be, if you're thinking logically, there are teams in like that in like that first round playoff, you know, kind of early round playoff exit. Um, I saw that ESPN projected him 28th to Toronto. So I think it's that would just, be a nice spot. Yeah, that I think that would be ideal for him. Yeah, because. Um, you know, there's been so much focus around the G League right now. One of the owners, the owner for the Raptors, his name is escaping me, but he invests a lot into his G League team. And I think between Van Vliet and um, Valanchunas, I think that's paying dividends for him. So I'm not, you know, I personally, I'm all for people getting their money. I I would tell him to go, but you know, there could be a feel thing. It could be a fit thing. You know, everything, the world, the whole world's up in the air right now. Right. So that's kind of what, that's kind of what makes these things hard to predict. And that's what, that's kind of what makes me think that it's a little more, it's a little more 50, 50 than maybe, than maybe we're saying it is. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that too. Um, I do think personally how, you know, ever since they changed the rules regarding like you, you're allowed to come back um, before I can't remember the exact rules, but it was more like you're declaring and that's pretty much it. Like you're, you're done and now you can come back. But I think a lot of people personally, I don't really go with the, the, um, the narrative where it's like, Oh, just go check it out kind of thing where people are like, Oh, you could just go, declare and whatever you know i just think most it's a little more serious than that i think people when they're declaring it's not like we'll see what happens it's more like i want to go pro so i think that his intention is to go pro like it's not you know he's not thinking about he's he's thinking more about pro than coming back so i would think that maybe it could be 50 50 right now i think it might be a little bit more than that in my in my personal opinion but I think there are reasons that he could come back, especially if he gets, you know, some feedback where it's like you could be 
a top 15 pick next year if you ball out like Draymond Green did or something like that. Well, I mean, Draymond didn't go, you know, he went in the second round, but uh, Tillman clearly has better uh, tangible skills, I would say, in terms of like his, you know, his physique, his physique and stuff like that. I think he uh, would have a better chance to come back and get a higher, uh, go higher in the draft, especially because, you know, cashes will be gone. He'll get more usage probably. Um, but yeah, you know, who knows, but I would bet on him, his, him sticking to the draft is what my personal opinion is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. So the other, the other ball in the air obviously is, um, is Jeremy Langford, you know, um, Joshua. Yeah. Joshua. God (laughs) damn it. Uh, they're cousins though, from what I, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, Langford has been injured, obviously, for a significant amount of time. Um, it's still, you know, he didn't take a red shirt. He didn't take a red shirt this year. Um, he, he, I believe he can still take it. I'm not 100% clear. He can still take – he can still he apply. He can, st- he can still take it. Yeah, he, he can st- – uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a – a formality. He just has to like sign a paper, basically. Yeah. So he's, he can he's good to go. He can take the red shirt if he wants. He he has said that he didn't want to take it. Um he sounded when he was talking about it at first, he kind of sounded defeated. And you know, that was kind of that was hard to hear. But now that he's um now that the season's kind of ended the way it did, maybe he'll be maybe he'll be a little more app to come back um his window is still a little bit unclear it's hard you know it's hard for him to kind of get a medical checkup right now unless you're like unless you're have unless you have covid symptoms so it's kind of hard for you to like get like checked up on your knee so you can shoot a ball in a hoop but um i just personally I think I think Langford wants to move on. I don't blame him. You know, rehabbing is the single worst experience I've ever had. So I do not blame him at all for for not wanting to do that again and just wanting to move on with his life and go into the professional world. Right. The I if you could pick one game you could have had him for, my answer is the tech game. I think Last year's Texas Tech game, he would have been a killer for that team to deal with because you could have had Cash driving down low and dish it out to Langford for that jumper that he was hitting. Right. That that just that always sticks with me, and I think he I think he's done, and he doesn't owe any MSU anything. He's gone through hell and back a couple times to to get to this point. It would be nice to have him back, but. He doesn't need to. Only time he would is if he can prove he's fully. He can be fully healthy for a year. You know, to if he wants to say the NBA, I can be fully healthy. I can grind it out. I can do it. You know, that might be the one reason he could stick around. Yeah, I, I would say that's like a ninety percent plus probability that he is done with MSU. Um, Regarding what you're talking about, regarding checkups, I think that's where the month-plus thing came into play. Izzo, I think, updated his status like a week ago or so um, where he needs to get checked up again in a month or so. Um, 
So who knows where that is? You know, he's been out for a season and a half, which is a month, like a year and four months now without really playing basketball. I think he, he got cleared in like February of 19, right? Didn't he get cleared? And then all of a sudden it just happened like a week later, he was hurt pretty bad again. So, well, what happened was he got hurt against Northern Illinois last year. And then for like a month or so, it was monitoring. And then he, he, I don't think he actually re-injured it, but they just didn't understand the severity of it for like a month or so. And then they figured out they would be, they're going to have to shut it down for a year or not a year, but at least for the year. And then it just didn't really, I think until late August or so he got cleared to start playing again I could be wrong on the timeline but it was closer to the fall that he got clear to start playing again and then in November or October I think it was October he he injured it again um so I think he got a little bit of basketball in I could be wrong on that but I think he got like maybe a couple weeks in and then he re-injured it so it it makes you think I mean if he re-injures it that quickly um you know I'm hoping that it's not anything to do with, you know, ends his career or anything. But I think when you, when you watch his body language in big moments uh, for MSU at the Breslin Center especially, uh, you could see him in the background of some of those plays. And his body language just wasn't – it was very – I think it was – it's just a really hard thing that he's going through right now, clearly, because um, I think a lot of things he said have been good in terms of, you know, saying, like, understand that basketball isn't his life he probably has a greater per I mean he definitely has a greater purpose than just basketball and he's come to terms with that and so it wouldn't surprise me if he goes comes back and tries to give it another shot to see if he can play again and make it professionally in basketball but it also wouldn't surprise me if he just hangs it up um I don't know it's re- it's a really sad situation that it's, this one's hard for me because I he's gotten a lot of hate um, unnecessarily, in my opinion, where it's like, you know, efficiency numbers and stuff and like, oh, he doesn't fit in with the system and kind of stuff like that. And, and he's a 40% three-point shooter for his whole career. Uh, obviously, is a good, he's good at the mid-range. The thing was that he takes too many mid-range jumpers uh, and that's just not where basketball is right now. But I don't know. That I always thought he got too much pain. It just sucks that it, it could be over, um, especially at MSU and maybe in general. And I hope it's not – selfishly, I want to see him again, but I would be, surpri- I would be surprised to see him play at MSU again. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just so tough to, to constantly be – Peyton Manning talked about it, you know, when he retired. You know, it's that treadmill. And Gronk has talked about it too. It's that treadmill yeah. of rehab, recovery, re-injury, you know, that just kind of it wears you down more than more than age ever will, you know, in some cases. So um, that's that's where we're at right now um, in terms of football, in terms of the basketball roster. If there is a basketball season next year, who knows? Um, so right now we're going to move on to football. Um, last night. Mel Tucker uh, tweeted out his recruiting bat signal with the caption, it's going to be a great week, week in caps. And then not even 20 minutes later, uh, Derek Harmon announced his commitment. Derek Harmon is a three-star defensive tackle from Detroit Loyola. He comes in at 6'3", 320. And I watched some of his highlight tape 
in preparation for this podcast. The guy is a monster. Lordy. He is a six he is or three hundred. He is a, a boy right there. It's a big yeah, that's boy. That's a big that's a big <laughs> boy. He is a run stuffing quarterback abusing monster. And I think that this is gonna I think he's gonna be a great he's gonna be a great addition to, to this Michigan State team. I had to get the spreadsheet background ready for my um, <laughs> recruiting composite. I I love I love the size. Like like you know, same thing with um, the guy the other night. I'm totally blanking on his name. The guy who I compared to Justin Gabe Neely. Gabe Neely. I wanted to make sure I had the right person. Thank you. Um, I like I I'm, I'm just gonna beat a dead horse. Uh, I like I like where this is going. It's early. Who knows? Mel Tucker could. The uh, John L. Smith, like some Michigan fans that I know and follow, I don't are, get that. They're saying that's so stupid. But John L. was like a he was just an offensive. I don't know in terms of maybe like being it being bad, sure. right? You but know who like I'm talking the, the, about? Who called him John L. Tucker? Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We're, we're not we're not going to go into him because he's not horrible. But um, you know, Ron Burton looks like Ron Burton pulled him, which was pretty nice. Um, he got offers from Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Ball State, and CMU, so I'm sure some spreadsheets will be gathered. But um, <laughs> I, I just I, – like I said, again, I don't give a shit who, who offers you. If, you. if you coach them, they can become anything. Just look at Jack Conklin. That's all I'm going to say. Right. So, uh, like I said, Tucker's caption said it's going to be a great week. And then some of the other staff members uh, tweeted out the bat signal and put times two. So that sent our, that sent our group DM into a fucking tizzy. Um, we thought we were getting two that day. Right. We weren't sure. Our boy Mitch, shout out to you, Mitch. MAGA Mitch. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, my God. You're going to have to – that's not going to go over well. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get kicked out again. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it looks like that the second recruit is going to be Tyson Watson. He is a three-star defensive end from Warren Mott. Um, I was watching his film, and he he has offers from other Big Ten schools. He has offers from Indiana and Iowa. Um, he was c- recruited by Ron Burton. Um, to me, this, uh, Watson seems like a little bit more maybe a project project type guy. He's, he's 6'6", 270. He plays D-end. Um, Alan Triu thinks he can maybe switch over to offensive tackle. Um, we'll see. He has offers from – I mean, he has offers from Kentucky, Iowa State, Maryland – Minnesota, Purdue, Tennessee, West Virginia. So, um, he's got. I think he's got good size. Um, I'd like to see. I haven't seen any game film. The only thing that he has on both his twenty four seven and rivals pages are like camps, and that's like my least favorite thing to look at when I'm looking at recruits is fucking camp highlights. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, in Allen's notes, he says he needs to be a little meaner. Uh, he needs to learn some hand stuff, but um, otherwise, I think phrasing. Yeah, phrasing. Uh, I think he's got some great upside. I really like this guy. He's supposed to announce in 
He's supposed to announce tomorrow, I believe. I, let me see what time. But I, it seems like he's going to pick Michigan State. Allen has him at Michigan State. He hasn't been wrong right. yet for 2021. So, Except um, with, uh, with Luke Fickle. He was telling us it was going to be Luke Fickle. Yeah, whatever. He didn't put in a crystal right. ball, so he's not wrong. <laughs> he didn't have the, he, he didn't have the uh, he didn't have the Snapchat information that uh, was right. going around. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, I remember we, Graham Couch saying, I, I seen Luke Fickle was going to happen, and I listened to Couch and the Rube, and then that whole Monday morning where it's just like all the notifications came in that Fickle said no. I'm just like dreading to check Twitter because you just knew what was happening. Right. And then and then I, th- I think we lucked out, though. I'm, I'm very, very fucking oh. happy with this. That was number – I mean, I think it's fair to say Fickle was number one, clearly. Yeah. Uh, but T- Tucker, right from the get-go, was like the name that came up, and uh, for, at least internally, because you know he's like reached out to Saban, because that's still like a thing. Just talking to Michigan State's uh, relationship with him, they're like, "What? What is he thinking?" You know, he said Tucker, and so far I'm loving it, especially right. like. All this stuff on Twitter is driving it's just making me crack up. <laughs> He's just tweeting at everybody. But it looks like we did just sign a punter. So Yep, Mick uh, uh, Mitchell Crawford. Yeah. Six so, foot one eighty five grad transfer. I think that's the one that was was that the one they were looking at for a while? I think so. Yeah, I, I believe so. Full, full disclosure, I'm not the biggest football recruiting guy. Um, yeah, me either. Just something I have I've never really gotten into. It's and it was because of D'Antonio. I like I. It was just something I was like, "Oh, it'll work out." I didn't even think about it. I'm like, I don't even care who they sign. Somebody's gonna. Oh, it was two star Le'Veon Bell from that's looking at Bowling Green. Yeah, it'll probably work out. I don't like. Right. It's just something. But now I'm starting to realize that like that development could be, especially it 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 stops the development towards the end was just not very good. Um, and then you kind of have to realize that, you know, recruiting does matter. I think it, it, at least it's in some regards, you need to get guys in that, you know, in that top 1000 range, probably, you know, once you start going below that, if you're not good at development, then it's probably not going to work out. And, and that's where I stand with where I'm getting to recruiting now. I, I'm not totally sure about the development right, right now. I don't, I can't say it's going to work out because the old regime is gone. So that's just where I stand on that. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm starting to get better at that. I'm starting to look at recruiting a little bit more from football. It, it felt like complacency after a while with D'Antonio. Yeah, and, it was total complacency. And was, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say he, he gave up or, you know what I mean, he was, you know, re- just kind of relaxing on the job. But it, it sort of felt like that when you saw all these guys that MSU pulled offers to that were pretty big-name recruits and then getting beat by, like, Kentucky – and all these other teams that you think Michigan State should always or almost always out-recruit, that was alarming, and it seemed like that was kind of the beginning of the end a couple of years ago, That, to, in my opinion. That's that's how that's what yeah, it seemed like Antonio was doing. Yeah, I, I think that 2016 class really kind of scared him off from chasing the big fish, and I think by the time – Absolutely. Um, I, I think by the time he was ready to course correct, I think it was – I think it might have been kind of too late um, right. for him personally, but I'll still maintain that 
that D'Antonio was never the same after Connor Cook threw that pick before halftime <laughs> in that CFP game. It, there's I mean, a lot of stuff you can look at for sure. Like after I don't. 2015. It obviously wasn't yeah. that one play, but I think uh, if you look at that, like 2017 was obviously more of like a aberration than it was a return to form. Like so, 20, 2015, that 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 lost to Alabama. I'm sure it just it, it crushed Antonio more than obviously we can ever know because it's like you get to that point. You get to this almost to the, like one step or two steps away from the mountaintop and you get your shit pushed in by like being the champ. If you want to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And yeah. MSU was not even close. I mean, it was like, what, 10 nothing at half. But <laughs> after Connor threw that pick, I was just like, I'm going to watch, but – if, if MSU wins this game, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. It, it's going to be like we're going to win the national championship. There's something – when you're watching that game, you could feel that MSU was doing everything in their power to keep that game close. And they were doing right. it. But you were like – after that, you were like that was the – I personally – I was in Orlando at the time, and I, um, I was watching it at some restaurant the first half. And you could tell that it was like they needed that touchdown. Because it was kind of like yeah. say, Mich- Michigan versus Michigan State in 2018. Michigan State kept that close for the whole game, basically. But you knew Michigan was the better team on the field. But yeah. Michigan State was doing everything in their power to make sure that the game was close. It was and like right that. Then, yeah, Sorry, Seth. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, I, I didn't even watch the second half because I knew that Michigan State didn't really have a chance, in my opinion. And then yeah. when you're watching, it's like that was the opportunity and they missed it. But. Whatever. It was kind of like <laughs> that touchdown was kind of like the gas station that they needed to stop at, and they, and they didn't, yeah. and they just kind of ran out of gas and got <laughs> fucked. So it, that felt. I uh, I remember watching it when the Alabama game when it got out of hand, and I my now wife was pissed at me because I think Alabama went up like twenty four or thirty. They got like a pick six. And I just threw my pop on the ground <laughs> and Diet Mountain Dew just spilled all over the carpet and on like the door and everything and on my TV. And I'm just like, all right, I guess this gives me something else to do instead of watching this bullshit. <laughs> and then I think um, when you saw that Iowa got like historically blown out by Stanford the next day, I think it was. Yeah, McCaffrey like, I, absolutely I, ran all over them. Yeah. I just think. I realized that that team was a very good team, but it was easily the luckiest team that D'Antonio ever had. Um, Obviously, they beat Ohio State, which is the number one win he's ever had in my book. Um, Just beating – I don't even know how that happened. Like, I do understand how it happened, but, like, before the game, it wasn't even a thought in my head that they would win that game. Um, Just based on their roster and how they won – and how they brought the whole team back basically from their national title team. Um, but I realized it was like that 2014 team I was watching, they just, they were just better in my opinion. And 2013 was obviously better, but 2014, they just don't get the same amount of love from some people. I think a lot of the fan base understands that like, they're probably the better team. They yeah, just definitely. got the better, the worst. In the, I, I think um, it's kind of weird. I think if, MSU hadn't beaten Ohio State in 2013. They win that 2014 game, hmm. and then they lose the 2015 game. Yeah, I Ohio think Ohio State 
there was a lot of revenge kind of stuff going on that Ohio State MSU right uh, thirteen to fifteen those games. I and, I remember thinking the Ohio State twenty fourteen game. The first time in my life, I'm like, this should be a win. That was a lock, in my opinion. I didn't even. And then JT Barrett just had his coming out party. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, MSU is not the best team in the Big Ten. They're the second best. There's nothing wrong with that. But but just watching that game unfold, I'm like, shit. Ohio State is pissed about last year, and they are on just this whole other level. Because I remember when they lost to Virginia Tech that year in the shoe, and we're all just laughing at them. We're all going, yeah, like They stink. They stink, yeah. It was like it was Michigan State was easily the best team in the, the, the conference. Oh, yeah. I was puffing my chest, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> they come to Spartan Stadium, and we're like, mm, not so fast, kick, pal. Kick our fucking teeth in. Yeah, it's just – and now, I you know, I don't think – I, I don't think anyone in the Big Ten is going to beat Ohio State for a long while unless unless they all go on a hook, hookers and blow-esque 80s Miami bender. Well, they'll <laughs> still, they'll well, still with, win. With Ohio State, they, um, their issue – I mean, not really their issue, but, like, they have – you know, if you go by what Michigan went in the East in, the 20, in 2018 by time, like – Ohio State has done it every single year that the East has existed. They have five East titles. They just didn't go to the Big Ten title game in 2015 or 2016. So basically the, the, the path to, you know, winning the Big Ten is having a borderline miracle win against Ohio State and just hoping that's the tiebreaker. Um, and probably being the worst team of the two, which is probably the case in 2015 – in 2016 for P or for Penn State and Michigan State, probably a worse team than Ohio State, but they had the tiebreaker. Then they get to go to the playoff. Oh, actually, PS Penn State didn't get to do that. Yeah, they got they got drafted. But in in terms of you know the Big Ten path, winning the Big Ten, it's basically you gotta hope for a miracle, and the miracles are only gonna get uh even more miracle-y <laughs> because <laughs> even more uh, miraculous yeah yeah miraculous sorry uh but yeah they're uh like the uh they're looking like better than bama now in terms of you know recruiting so it's like it's not especially because the rest of the big 10 generally doesn't recruit on a similar level as the top sec teams Right. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. So it's going um, to get ugly. <laughs> Lucas changed his background. So we're going to move on. Um, is that, um, is, is that what's that, been going on? Yeah. Lucas is just consistently changing his backgrounds and now it is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a <laughs> helmet head. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's some muscular, it's some player, but he's in the stands. I don't understand how that works. I'll, if you don't know who it is, I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> DM DM Bacon Wire will tell yeah. you. Uh, so, you know, we're stuck inside. Quarantine sucks. We're here. Uh, we're here shit posting and blowing up. Not me. Yeah, not oh, not <laughs> Sav. Sav never shit. Couldn't be me. So. Uh, we thought that we would recommend our 10 favorite TV shows to you. So we're going to rank them 10 through one. Um, how we're going to do it is Sav, we'll start with you. Uh, just kind of rattle off your 10 through six. If you have some things to say about them, you can go ahead and you can go ahead and say them. And then uh, Lucas, you rattle off, you'll go and then I'll go. And then we'll, 
we'll have a deeper discussion about our top five. Yeah. Um, this one, creating this list is a little hard because there's just so many genres of, of TV shows. Like, I love the comedy shows, but then those generally aren't regarded as some of the best. But I don't know. It's my, my, in the, the lower end of my top ten, I couldn't quite, you know, get a direct one through ten. It was more of, like, my top ten. But uh, I would go with Fly of the Concords uh, from a on HBO. Um, it's one of the better ones that I will ever watch. Futurama. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Hell yeah. Parks, Parks and Recreation. And then also, not anymore, but peak of the show I love, which was The Walking Dead. And I only watched like the first four seasons, I think, but I loved yeah. it. And then it just kind of started sucking, in my opinion. But I thought they were they were in their bag for the first couple seasons of that show. I, I don't know. Did I name five right there? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. so your 10th through six is flight of the Concords, Futurama, curb parks and rec, and the first four seasons of walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. What I, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Curb, curb, curb is fucking awesome. Um, I have parks and rec on my list too, so we can talk about it a little more. Um, when we get to that, Lucas, your 10th through six. Uh, first, I want to rattle off my honorable mentions. There's just just a quick five. I'm not going to touch on them too long. Um, Lost. Uh, the ending kind of was a thud, but the story was fucking amazing throughout to the whole say show. The, to say the least, it was a thud. <laughs> um, Dexter. Again, the last couple seasons were trash, but like seasons one through four were great. But the last half of the show was not good enough to get on this list. Westworld, I need to see more of. I love the show, but I need to see more. I need to feel more out of it. True Detective, only one great season in my opinion. Um, season one is one of the best single seasons of television ever. Also, not... great Bush, great Bush, all time Bush. <laughs> uh, shout out Lumen, uh, Luminati, <laughs> um, and then uh, Game of Thrones is an I will mention because that show just. It, it's that gif of the guy holding all the car wash stuff and dropping it all over his car. <laughs> That's literally how that show ended. It's like the writers just were like, we don't give a fuck. But anyway, number 10 for me is Parks and Rec. Uh, watched the whole show when I was on rehab with my knee. Uh, fucking loved it. Uh, have watched it multiple times since. Number nine is Succession. Uh, that was a late ad for me, but it's just, it stuck with me ever since I first watched it last summer. Um, it, the dynamics of that whole family are just amazing. And because they're rich, it doesn't really matter. It just matters that they're all kind of pieces of shit, but it's such so, a spoiler thing. alert. I have succession way high up on my list. Okay. So we can talk about it then. Right. Um, number eight leftovers. I love that show. I'm not, I could put it higher, but it's kind of hard to keep hard to watch again. Number seven, Chappelle show. All-timer, all-time Comedy Central show. I can watch it anytime. And the best part is it just – he makes fun of everybody. It doesn't matter. No one is is safe from him. And with uh, Sorry, with everything no, go going on yesterday, all I could think of was the blind white supremacist guy. <laughs> show us your face. You want to see your face. <laughs> oh, my God. And that, started, that was the first skit from the entire show. What a banger to go to start out on. And number six is Curb. I love I love Curb to death. Larry David is a comedy genius. 
Okay. Can I add? Can I add my um, honorable mention? Sure. Go ahead. Um, this one was really hard. It didn't quite make the top ten for me. Uh, it was just outside Big Bang Theory. I just love <laughs> the witty humor of that show, where it's like she's really hot, and then he's like just so nerdy, and it's just like the hijinks are just unreal. I just don't. And my favorite part about the show, my favorite part of the show is Sav, like, Sav this bit just, isn't funny, but Lucas yeah. just changed his background again to, to <laughs> Buffalo to Buffalo Bell. Yeah, that's my that's my cue to stop talking about Big Bang Theory. No, I just I just my favorite part too is like how it just the you just kind of accidentally start watching it. It's like on after some TBS game, NBA game. You're like watching an NBA game and then all of a sudden Big Bang Theory's on and you don't even realize it. And I don't know. Probably top 11 for me. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to uh, Zanjo on that one. Or Zanjo. Or, Wait, he likes or, the show? No, it's a bit. We make fun of it. We hate the show. We don't, uh, we don't like okay. show. Yeah. <laughs> Arson, yeah. Fucking Big Bang Theory. Like, it's just like uh, – Trill Ballins, podcast co-host for Lights, Camera, Barstool, a podcast uh, Lucas and I listened to. That's where we met. Uh, we, oh, that's cute. Trill Ballins. Yeah, we met this, online. Yeah, you we know, met on online. Yeah, we met on Tinder. We both swiped. We both swiped. It's it was cute. Um, <laughs> he he's he said that like the Big Bang Theory is kind of like nice background noise, and like that's the nicest thing I can probably say about it is that. It's just it's inoffensive background noise that you don't have to pay attention to, and you can just be on Twitter and have and just have it on. So like you don't have to you don't have to deal with the fact that you're not talking to your parents and getting into an argument. So right. um, I, it's come on for me where like it'll be on right after something that like sparks a discussion, like a TV show or some uh, you know basketball game or something it'll like spark a discussion right after that thing ends and but the so your discussion but you don't focus on turning off the tv yet and so it's just like on while you're discussing what just happened and then yeah. you're like 20 minutes into a big bang theory episode and you're like this is shitty yeah so um i have a few honorable <laughs> mentions um barry from hbo um it killed Ooh. me it killed me to leave it off but um, I really like Barry. Um, what we do in the shadows. Um, I really liked the first season. The second season um, started last night. I haven't watched that. I haven't watched the first two episodes yet, but I'm going to. Um, I can't wait. Um, th- those are really the only two I have. My my TV diet is a little different. Um, I prefer like shorter, like limited series shows with shorter seasons, and I kind of. And I seek those out. Um, so, like, my other honorable mention, um, I had to, I have to mention it because I feel like it's going to be in one of your top five, but I have The Office in my honorable mentions only because uh-huh. I love the show. I've rewatched it to death. Like, I, like, it's not because I don't like it. I just don't like the fandom around it. So I choose not to associate myself. You're, with con- you're a contrarian a little bit. Not right. in my right. top ten. Well, I'm not even. I'm not even a contrarian in the fact. No, you that, you you like it, but you're just. Right. I love the show. It kills me. But the people who like, it's like the same people who are like Elizabeth Warren is Hermione, 
<laughs> you know, not to get political. And the whole know, fucking no. Kevin spilled chili thing. Not from, not just from Trill saying it on the pod, but holy shit. I, he just, he, him saying that, it's stuck in my head. Then ever since then, the memes and the Funko Pops, just, I can't do it anymore. With it. I mean, I'm the same way about hockey. I actually, I do like hockey. Um, I did. Hockey guy! Hockey like, guy! The, the people when I grew up around with that were like really into hockey, especially like players it was like i just and then like being around some griffins players a little bit that were like professional players i mean not like friends or anything but like literally just being in the same room or bar as them is like i just it just really set me off uh, yeah and i'm sure that it's the same way for other sports but like yeah i get what you're saying we're going to the office because it's like half the gifs on twitter or more are office related and i'm totally guilty of that so no i I get it yeah i get it (laughs) yeah so my 10 through 6 my number 10 is south park uh Mm -hmm. my number nine is american dad it is Mm -hmm. the better it is the best seth mcfarland show i don't care what anyone says it is so miles above family guy even at its best i think I'll put I'll put up a I'll put up one of the best American Dad shows against one of the best Family Guy episodes any day of the week, and I think American Dad will win. Uh, number eight is Breaking Bad. Um, that's the one I assume it's going to be in one of your top fives. So we'll save the discussion. My number seven is Parks and Rec, and then my number six is a new show. Um, it's high It's High Fidelity. Um, it's the new, it's the, it just got released on Hulu a, a couple months ago. Um, it stars Zoe Kravitz. Um, it's, it's great. I love the movie growing up. It kind of, I kind of found the movie at the right time and it kind of molded, it kind of molded me for better or worse, probably for worse. And you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen the movie, but, um, my wife's been watching that show. She liked it. Yeah, it's very it's very good. Zoe Kravitz is very charismatic. She she demands your attention and she kind of carries the Rob character very well. Just a forewarning, if you've seen the movie, the first episode is basically like the first 20 minutes of the movie. So like it kind of felt like I was dropping acid. <laughs> I was like what the fuck is going on? But once you once it starts to deviate from the movie, there's still elements that exist because it's an adaptation, but once it starts to deviate and do its own thing, I think is where the show really shines. And I, I fell in love. They left it open for a second season. They didn't adapt the whole, the, they didn't do the whole narrative in one season. So I hope there's a second season, but um, other than that. Is, is that Lenny's daughter? Yes, that is, that is, um, I can, I can Lenny, believe that. Yeah. Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. and Lisa Bonet's daughter. Because Lenny Kravitz I think I've probably even tweeted this. He's my number one coolest dude of all time. That oh my God, cool. dude. That he's guy. So, he's so cool. He, he uh, is so I fucking cool. That she, I, I can believe that she demands the attention. He, he's just, it runs in the family. Yeah. So, so Sav, you're number five. All right. So this is awkward because well, not really awkward because you include it, but I love True Detective, at least. And I agree with what you were saying, uh, Bacon Wire Dog, is I have my media consumption, like in terms of entertainment, has mostly been like sports and music have been really high, like just kind of in a different category of my consumption. 
and then it would go TV shows, then movies. So based on like, you know, like the shortness of sports and music uh, or these, you know, songs, um, I've actually gotten more into, you know, watching anthologies and gotten really into that and watching shows that are only one, like one story for one season um, is kind of what I've gotten into, especially the past couple of years. And True Detective is in uh, my top five, number five. Okay. Um, is it just, just the especially first season one, one and three are, are okay. really good. I didn't, I, I didn't really like the ending of, of season three. Um, but I think they subverted the expectations pretty well with that. I mean, you guys are way more movie and uh, film buffs than me, but I I did like the the uh, how they subverted the expectations because like everybody kind of had their own. I there was some ways that people wanted the series to end that were like overwhelmingly the favorite amongst the people that were talking about the show uh, before the last episode, and I didn't. At first, I didn't really like it, but then I started to kind of come to terms with it, at least the last episode. But the, the full season, I, I just loved. Uh, three and one. Uh, two was, was good, but it wasn't uh, anything that special to me. I, but, I couldn't finish two. I like got halfway yeah, through. I'm like, oh, I, I, shit, I this is horrible. I get that. But season one, for, for specifically one reason, is some of the greatest stuff that's ever been on TV. Yeah, season season. <laughs> I mean, season one is season one's fucking spectacular. Um, I uh, and I'm I, not just talking about the Bush folks. <laughs> I'm talking about. I think McConaughey. Like that that's was what just I would say, the one reason. Yeah, no, the but. peak of the the peak of the McConaughey. You know, Woody. Yeah. Woody just. Woody just when Woody Harrelson fires on all cylinders, he's one of the most compelling people to watch because he's Great. just he's so charismatic and he's so. And he just brings a different energy than any than than almost anyone else. So I, I think I it did season one did drag a little bit. Um, I didn't think it needed to be. I think it probably could have been six episodes, and it would have been a tighter it would have been a tighter narrative. Um, but yeah, season two season two I clocked out immediately. Um, Vince Vaughn. I can only handle I can only handle Vince Vaughn in small doses, so um, I don't. Yeah, the 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 casting of him, not that he did a bad job or anything, but like I just think that there are certain people that he aren't Gus, really fit for that. Gus Van Zant did a shot for shot remake of Psycho in like the late nineties, and he played. Um, oh yeah, he played Norman Bates. I looked up some. I I was curious. I looked up like some side by side clips, and it was. It 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 was it was insane to say the least. I think right. that's the nicest I can be is that it was insane. With, uh, with True Detective, I uh, I just have to say since my wife kind of skips through this and listens to it, um, <laughs> I creep her out every time near the end of season one when they find like you know the the brother and sister are you know together yeah. in more ways than one, and she says uh, you want to make flowers and. Uh, that that just creeps my wife out every time, and I laugh so hard. So she's gonna listen to this and be pissed at me, but it's gonna be worth it. All right, Lucas, your number five. My number five, I mean five through one, is really tough for me because I I could see a reason to put them all at number one, but I established my list pretty quickly. Number five is Breaking Bad, um, and. 
I was a late adopted, a late late uh, adopter of the show. I watched it pretty much st- streamed it like a, in a month right before the last season started, like s- the final eight episodes. Okay. Cause I know they s- counted uh, 2012 and 2013 as one whole season. So um, I got to sit there and watch the, the end of this insane show. And I love how Walter White is, you just see this evolution or I guess you could say de-evolution of this human being when he gets the slightest inkling of power, he becomes this gigantic piece of shit because he treats Jesse like crap throughout the whole fucking show. And Jesse may be a little bit of a dullard at some points, but he's a pretty smart kid. And, you know, people brag on Skyler, you know, there's that whole, um, the same people that follow a couple of Michigan uh, reporters on Twitter probably hate Skyler white. Um, She's, she's just, I think she was very strong and very powerful. Um, I thought she was, she did okay, but I, you know, you're there for Brian Cranston and to see Hal from Malcolm in the middle going from dancing in his underwear and his house making scrambled eggs for his kids to being this drug kingpin who it's one of the most badass season promo posters ever. I'm trying to find it where it's like trying to posterize it where it's like uh, he's, sitting in this lawn chair and there's uh, tubs of crystal meth behind him. And it says all hail the King. Like, I really want to get that as a poster, but it's so hard to find. Um, It's breaking bad. is just a show that was so well-written from start to finish. And it wrapped up. It's hard to wrap a show up. It really fucking is. And I thought it wrapped it up about as well as you could. Honestly, Um, Walter White had spoiler alert had to die. That's the only way the show was going to end. But the show is just, I think it just shows humanity in a different light and what, what real, realistically could be if we all got that power and that money. Yeah. Um, you know, I really enjoyed Breaking Bad. Um, I was kind of like you, you know, I was a late adopter, um, mainly because of my age. Uh, but, you know, I the reason why it's not in my top five is I kind of felt like, like I don't like when shows – I don't like when shows feel like they have to produce episodes. And I kind of felt that I kind of felt that tension in season four where it just kind of got repetitive a little bit. Like it seemed like there were like two thirds of the season was like, Jesse, you fucked up. Gus is going to kill us. And then it's like, (laughs) Jesse, sorry, come back. Yeah. Like I don't need you. Yeah. I don't need you. Jesse, come back. Let's cook. Like, it's just kind of like that. It was kind of like that. It was just kind of like that repetitiveness. What, that. What did you think of the fly episode? I fucking hate that episode, but there's some people like, you just don't see the symbolism behind it. Like I do. <laughs> it's a boring ass oh, episode. Yeah. That and was Ryan kind Johnson of... directed it, but I'm still like, eh, I almost skipped that episode, but I just, oh, yeah, didn't, I, I didn't want to miss anything. I forget yeah. that you're a Ryan Johnson guy. I, I'm just remembering <laughs> this. Oh yeah. You don't, you don't want the smoke pal. <laughs> So um, that's a whole other pod. We can go in for four Yeah, that's a whole that. other yeah. pod. Yeah. Uh, my number five is The Mandalorian. So Ooh. I know it's kind of, I'm a big Star Wars guy. And like one thing, my biggest complaint about the Disney trilogy is that it's, it sucks. Well, 
part of the reason it sucks is one of them does one of them does two of them do two of them do is that it's 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 very insular you know what i mean like everyone's related to everybody this wide galaxy of all these fucking people and it's like the same five families who like who influence the major events you know what i mean right. it's just right. kind of like it's, you could argue it's one yeah it's 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 one one main main bloodline it really is like palpatine is the guy and it you could argue that it comes like basically directly from him yeah he's like he's like like god like kind of he just kind of created he kind of created anakin and then it went from there yeah Yeah, but skywalkers and ray are all you could argue it's all from him but you know i I know exactly what you're talking about right yeah Yeah. go ahead sorry man but like as long as this you know, this show has been rumored for a long time and, you know, it's taken different forms, but the one thing that never changed was that it was going to be about kind of like the underworld. And right. like I, from the very, from the first cold open, I don't think the show has ever disappointed. It was, it was fun. It, you know, I loved Pedro. I loved me some Pedro Pascal. I thought he was awesome as Mando. I thought the supporting cast was awesome. I think, I think Baby Yoda might be the, might be the best marketing, the best marketing move. Probably ever. I mean, I mean, how they hit it was fucking. I don't know how they did that. Well, it was incredible that they had the restraint to not produce toys before the show came out, so they right. could hide it. Yeah, because you had all those people, the the moms on Facebook going. OMG, how can I not buy find a baby Yoda toy as soon as this show came out? It's like yeah, hey, that was dip, Logan. Hey, dip I think that was shit. Logan. That was the, Logan, actually. Yeah, the <laughs> fact that they could the fact that they had the the fact that they had the restraint they did to hold off until the show actually came out and they were and they had and just like that was insane. That was an insane marketing ploy. I that loved was, yeah. I loved how they expanded the galaxy. I thought that kind I thought the setting was I thought it was a great setting um I thought the villain was I thought the I thought the villains were great I loved I loved kind of like the I loved kind of like the film serial aspect to it where it was kind of like an adventure of the week thing that had an overarching narrative and I I can't fucking wait for season two man I am so fucking pumped for season two is it still slated for this year? They're done. Yeah, they're done. Okay, they were done. But yeah, I remember people were confused because Rosario Darson's, uh, uh, Dawson, not uh, Darson, is on the show. And I'm starting to think that was just a late, like, news, like, surprise. She's she's filmed already. Yeah, she's, yeah, I think they made that casting announcement. She's going to be playing um, for, you know, you Ashoka? kind of, Ashoka Tano, who's, if you all, if you know, it's we're not going to go into it now, but she has she has major significance within, um, kind of the Star Wars canon that exists outside of the films. I love that show. I um, you know, I I'm looking forward to season two. And full disclosure, before we did this, our we, you know, you said we were going to go over top ten show, and I was like, hmm, I, it's it's a hard thing to think about. And so I looked at like some of the top one hundred lists. Uh, and it was all over the, it was at least, I don't know if it was a set, like this is the hundred best shows of all time. It was a hundred best shows to watch, 
I think it was a recent article regarding like the quarantine and it was like top 20. It could be a, uh, you know, um, you know, prisoner of, you know, it's a recent show that just came out, but everything, you know, you watch the show and you're like, it's good. And you kind of get confirmation by other stuff. But like, it's just a, it's a good show. I like it a lot. Um, and you know, I'm a big, I'm not like a big extended universe guy in the sense that like I've read a bunch of books and stuff, but I've found myself at times more immersed in the star Wars storylines from the extended universe, not necessarily reading the books, but just kind of like going across the internet and be like, Oh, what, what's going on with this family or like, what's, how did this happen? And just kind of finding out through there. And a lot of times it's more interesting because like when you look at the whole star Wars series, you can argue that more than half of them were not very good. Like the, the main nine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's, for sure. that's a weird thing about the star Wars. Cause like the story and the universe is just so intriguing to me, but then like five of the movies are just not really something I rewatch. But like the whole universe is something that I'm really interested in, and I think that what what you were saying earlier, like that show, uh, I think they do a really good job of kind of like exploring that other side of Star Wars. Yeah, and you know, if you like the Mandalorian, I'll go ahead and recommend the Clone Wars to you. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Season one's yeah. a bit. Of, season one's a bit of a tough hang. You can tell that the budget wasn't there for the animation, and it was still. Um, it was still pretty. <laughs> sorry sorry we just got a peek at lucas's green screen uh you could tell that the budget wasn't there and that it was still it was still like a kitty it was still a kitty centric show but i think season i'm on i'm like midway through i'm almost done with season two you can tell that there's kind of a you can tell there's kind of a change of pace and change of change of uh change of thought process and good probably realize they they could appeal to not just little kids and kind of right. <laughs> Good because that was that, I'm I'm on season one and it's a struggle. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I've heard it's, nothing but good things about it. So like, yeah, I can. I I'm sure they switched it up at some point in the series. But with Mandalorian, I okay. I'm just gonna say, I hated this last Star Wars. I hated it so much. Right. I bought it because. Full disclosure, my mom named me after Luke Skywalker, not to brag, Um, (laughs) you know, but, you know, she loves these movies. And so I grew up on them and, you know, I just, I hold them to such a high standard, but the more, the older I get, it's like, damn, you know, we had episode one, two, and three, but I'm one of the people who thinks three was actually not horrible. No, I I like three. I like like three more and more as time goes on. And, uh, I felt The Force Awakens was a good, a safe reboot, but you had to be safe. It was extremely safe. Very safe. It was basically a remake of A New Hope, kind of. Um, I, I enjoyed it. The parallels it. are all there. It's, 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 it's essentially a remake. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And then Last Jedi, I am uh, very contrary. I'm very out there with this, but I, along with uh, Trevor on Twitter, Trevor Upchurch, I think it is the second best star wars movie ever and i know I i'm gonna get a lot of hate it's, it's it the most breaks polarized, the mold. polarizing it, movie i've ever seen in my entire life it breaks the mold because that moment that uh kylo ren and ray are in the uh, the red room where they killed snow that was like i really was hoping in my head that ray would just take his hand i thought we could have this balance of being with the dark side but also being light 
And they kind of they kind of did hint that with episode nine with the whole force diet thing, which I I didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty cool shit to see. But Last Jedi just broke the mold, and you know you had the butt hurt neck beards all upset. The, oh, why, hey, why easy you, on easy on neck beards, man. I, right? I got a neck beard too. <laughs> Luke Skywalker, guys, you can't kill him. Why'd you do that? Not my Star Wars. That he tried something different. He got a lot of shit. He still gets a lot of shit. But I think Ryan Johnson is a solid filmmaker, and I think he deserved to continue the story because I think it would have been more polarizing. Sure, episode nine would be, but I think it would have been more entertaining and would have bred more discussion out of us. Lucas, I agree with that actually. Um, Thank you. My main beef isn't necessarily Ryan Johnson. It was the. Uh, J.J. Abrams doing one, or sorry, uh, six, seven and nine, and then Johnson doing eight. I probably would have loved it if he did nine, two, or just did all three, or right. if one of them did all three. I just yeah. think that there wasn't yeah. enough coherency within the whole, because the thing, the issue I had when after the whole series, I was like, okay, so what actually just happened, though? Like, what, I feel <laughs> no, like, there was no more close, like, if you watch one through six, you get closure through the whole storyline. Right. And then after now, it's like you just insert this whole new story. And then there's, I, there is still closure, but like if you watch one through nine, I don't feel like the, the last three really fit in that well with one through six in terms of adding another element of closure. I don't know, that's just me. It just yeah. Like it was kind of weird to like in the same year watch Avengers Endgame and rise of skywalker thank you as someone <laughs> yeah. who i was gonna say that go ahead keep going as someone who consumes a lot of ip um i'm not a prequels defender by any means but i'll always i'll always i'll always say that it, that the prequels had good bones like it had a good structure of an idea it was just nobody nobody reigned george in and like that's the way he wanted it so good for him. He had the money. He financed all those movies himself. So that's that was in that was an incredible risk. And you know he really bet on himself. And you know financially he succeeded. But um, I just think you know filmmaking is such a collaborative process. And he just didn't want to collaborate. And he didn't want the studio to get in his way. Um, I really wish he had uh, someone with him writing these mo- episode one through three and maybe someone else directing it. Yeah. You know, like maybe well, get Lawrence Kasdan on episode one through three and we're looking at this shit in a whole new light. Maybe Fox isn't bought by Disney. Maybe all this, maybe it just opens up this whole new timeline for Star Wars. And you probably, Saturday Night maybe don't even happen because there's no need to like be like, I think oh, they just- would. I, mean, I, think, I mean, they they could have, but I'm just saying, like, one. Lucas three, had Lucas had script treatments for for a new trilogy. I'll I'll contend I'll contend that the biggest that the biggest problem with Episode One isn't Jar Jar. It's oh no, it's Anakin being nine years old. If Anakin was 14, are you an angel? If Anakin was if Anakin was fourteen, if he was if he was the same age or you know somewhat close to Padme's age that movie becomes a lot more bearable. Like if Hayden Christensen was, was in episode one, I think he would be looked upon a lot. I think he's looked upon better as time goes on, but I think 
he would have been looked upon even more of a legend in Star Wars canon if right. he were like, no one right away. No one likes to shit on a kid. So like Oh no, no. They well, did except the, yeah, the Star Wars my, community. The Star Wars well, community. Not even the Star likes Wars community. Kids. The kids, my um cousins went to that they went to Carmel, which is where he went. And he was bullied after it. He hates Star Wars. Like the kids at his school. Right. Not even like like that's how bad like that's how bad the whole situation was. You're thinking like a kid that is at least at the time the buildup of like, oh, he is Anakin Skywalker, probably the biggest at the time film like the biggest kid role you could be in in film was him. And then you just get incessantly bullied after it. And to yeah. to the point of yeah. retirement from acting and hating Star Wars. It's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, you're you're know. a piece of shit if you do that to a little kid and I mean, Those I get school. You're, doing you're, it. Yeah, in school, you're ribbing each other. Well, those little end. kids, those little kids are pieces of shit. Uh, They're probably we're, jealous, though. We're, we're, that was a nice little tangent. Um, but yeah, we got to yeah, get right, back to, to the forward. list. Uh, yeah, Sav, yeah. you're number four. All right. So, my number four, um, I am going to go with The Office. Uh, you know, it's probably not the best in terms of, you know, like there are shows on like HBO where you're watching you're like okay, this is like an incredible story it's just like produced well it's just it's just like objectively really good and The Office is objectively really good but like it's not to that level but in terms of just for me like I watched I think I started watching that show a few seasons in I didn't I started watching I watched the the, um, the pilot and I didn't like it because the uh, it made me nauseous like how they were the camera was set up and everything i wasn't used to that at all i had never seen that right. before in like a tv show um and a few, a few years later i was just i got really sick with like the flu i think it was the swine flu and i just started watching on like tbs or whatever show or whatever channel reruns were on and i realized that like season two was really good and i don't know this I love Michael. I love all of the, the subplots of the show. Obviously there's, there's issues with it, especially the pet, like the last uh, three seasons, especially, or at least two, two, um, the last two, the last yeah, two after once. Michael leaves, but just in terms of its rewatchability, you know, being bored, watch a couple episodes of the office, uh, just the, the general place it has amongst, um, I don't know, just pop culture is just so epic um, that I just, I don't know. It's, it's top five for me, specifically four. Um, I don't know. I just, it's just one of the best in my opinion. I don't know if you guys have any, I think you both have listed it, I think at some point, I'm not totally sure. I can't remember. I, it's not, it's not in mine. Yeah. It's, so I, yeah. I gave it, I paid it some lip service. Like I said, I, I have no beef with the show. I love the show. I watch the show all the time. I just think, like I said, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, the commentary around it that kind of, that like pisses me off. Like, it's just kind of like, like, it's just like, if I took a shot for how many Tino bios I saw that said like, let's watch The Office and drink wine, I think I'd be dead from alcohol poisoning. Or how many of them say Bears beats Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd be you. You guys would have to fucking bury me in the ground. So um, I, I agree with that. Um, in terms of not like I, I get where you're coming from because that's one of the reasons that it didn't turn me off necessarily, but I've been hesitant. There, there are several reasons other, other than this why, but like 
the Game of Thrones, I just was never really able to get into because I was I was already going to be a late adopter to it, and then just the the epicness of everybody loving it was just so extreme at that time. Like maybe three seasons in, I was like, I don't know, and just everybody talking about it. And like I don't know, I just I wasn't really able to get into it, but yeah. I don't know. It wasn't really a contrarian thing, but it was just like maybe during this quarantine I'll start watching it. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I personally I just hate medieval shit. Like I hate everything medieval. <laughs> I hate Lord of the Rings fan. No, I don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like Ooh. the Hobbit. Oof, I, don't, I don't like I. It's just like I know it's good. Like I recognize the quality. It's just not my shit. TMCR. The quality is there. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Yeah, Bacon I mean Wire. that's just Bacon that's Wire just dog. My, that's my that's my that's my go with game of thrones my wife watched it like you know at the beginning then when we got together she and her mom and her and her uh and her brother were watching it and it was kind of one of those things like what are you guys talking about oh we're talking about game of thrones so i binged it in like two weeks and it's a it's a good show but god it ended so fucking horribly that's all i'm gonna say no no spoilers so i take it so i take it it's not your number four lucas no, my number – my oh, great transition. Uh, we're getting really good at this shit. Number four for me, I was – I'm not going to say a late adopter. I, I watched it when it was season five. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hands That's down, one of the funniest shows. And it was started with, like, three best friends who recorded it on a camcorder for, like, $150, and they managed to convince Caitlin Olsen – to come in on it and do it and FX bought it and aired it at like midnight you know I remember seeing promos for this random ass show never got into it and then I started watching the league and before the league came on always Sonny was on and it was an episode where uh, this soldier comes home and D being the piece of shit she is she thinks that he's crippled even though he's just in a wheelchair because he like tweaked his ankle and the thing that got me hooked on the show was Danny DeVito comes running up with a pair of jean shorts which i hadn't seen in probably 10 years and i about pissed myself laughing and he's playing kiss from a rose by seal and saluting this soldier and puts jean shorts on his who, what he thinks are his crippled legs and i just was instantly hooked from right there and it's evolved and that's what i like about it it's funny but it's also like it, it touches on some sensitive subjects like one of the main characters matt comes out as gay and it was subtly hidden at for years throughout the show, like in a funny way, but he really does come out as gay. And he does this like interpretive dance at this. It's, it's hard to explain, but like his dad is in prison and he does this interpretive dance, tells his dad I'm gay and the dad walks out. And it, it's, it's just kind of, it gave me a new look at the show. Like, you know, it, it is really, it's like mature rated Seinfeld for millennials but it also has seriousness and that's why I kept it on my list. And it, it's shaped my sense of humor over the last 10 years since I've watched it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think personally, I, I like the bits more than I like the episodes as a whole. So I right. kind of get my always sunny fix watching clips on YouTube than I do watching whole episodes, but I totally under, you know, it, it's, it, when it's when it hits it fucking hits and there's yeah. such pieces of shit and it's so funny to watch people be pieces of shit it's unreal um my number four is uh letter kenny um letter kenny is a canadian comedy show 
it i fucking love it like i saw it advertised on hulu before i uh before like an episode of south park i was watching or something so i decided you know what i'll check it out and from the first episode i was fucking hooked like it's so it's just so funny and like the way it like parodies like this good old boy country masculinity is so outrageous. Like it's my perfect kind of satire. Like it's this off the hook fucking ridiculous satire and I can't get enough of it. I fucking love it. I love letter Kenny. I got to yeah. watch it. I got to watch it. I, I remember you saying how fucking good it was and I totally forgot about it. I want to yeah, watch I'm, it. I'm not familiar with that at all, but I just Googled it really quick and, it looks like what you were just saying regarding the satire with uh, that specific demographic. I, I'm not trying to be like a dick or anything, but like satire with about that seems like something I would enjoy <laughs> uh, quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's very, it's, it, it parodies um, hockey culture. Um, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like small town Canadian and like everyone These fights. These would have been at these, these guys would have been in Lansing yesterday. Yeah. These guys, <laughs> no, well, like not really. They all kind of, they all hawk darts and drink beers. And it's just the dynamic between the, between the characters is so fucking good. It's unreal. So, uh, Sav, what's your number three? Um, I'm going to go with the Simpsons. I just think that. I haven't I haven't watched that show in probably ten years, but the first ten seasons, um, I just think are it's some of the best, uh, probably the best cartoon and the best. I don't know everything. I feel like it changed a lot of stuff within peak television. It really is. Yeah, I just think it, it changed so much. Um, and this is gonna, I have not watched an episode in at least ten years, like a, a new episode. Um, yeah, and I don't um, think there's really any reason to and. and it gets away with that because it's not like um, the office or game of Thrones or just like basically any show where it has like a storyline for seasons on end that go, uh, you know, they're congruent, but like it can get away with having not good episodes for 10 straight years Um, because it's kind of like each episode, they don't age or anything. It's just a cartoon. So I don't know, but I, and just growing up, it was my favorite show ever. Um, And I think, I don't know. I'm not the biggest movie guy or show guy in the world, but just in terms of how it changed so much. And um, at least at the time when it came out like 1989, it was just something totally different. Um, but it's, it's top three for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a Simpsons freak. Like it's not on my list, but it's, it kind of, it's been on for so long and I've watched it so much. It kind of almost exists out of the way I classify television. Like it's not even TV. Like it's just kind of like, it just, it's the Simpsons. Like it's a whole different, it's a whole different class of, of, of media. You know, like I owned all the, I owned all the, I owned like the first like 15 seasons on DVD. I, you know, I've read, you know, I recommend this to you, Sav, and to everybody. Um, I recommend the book Springfield Confidential. It was written by uh, Mike Rice, who um, he was the showrunner for seasons three and four with Al Jean. And great fucking book. 
it's kind of a book of his life. It's kind of like a bio, an autobiography, but um, the 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 portion he dedicates to the Simpsons is like so fucking interesting because it's just oh, it yeah. goes so in depth with like how how the show's written, how how like the show is how the show is basically created from start to finish, and it's so. Um, and it was just like, and it's so crazy to think that like something my, my dad, like he would literally like his fraternity would end, would end meetings at seven fifty five instead of go until eight. So they could watch the Simpsons. Oh, it was appointment television and it's prime. Yeah. It, it was incredible to, you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the oldest person in the, bacon wire network apparently somehow and we have a boomer (laughs) yeah we have a i'm I'm the boomer no no no, you're not the boomer no you're not the boomer spartan fans the boomer he's a boomer at heart but i'm the oldest by age yeah yeah and um i was i was uh two when this movie when this show came out and i watched a home movie a little while ago when i was restoring them for my mom and i'm like a toddler sitting in my you know uh seat watching the simpsons and i'm two years old and that's great parenting i mean i turn out okay but um, did you <laughs> i think i turn out all right but um your I, reddit name is poop and pant <laughs> that's a whole other story uh there is a story behind that name but anyway um you know that the simpsons just you would didn't see that like fox kind of came out gunning after like the Cosby show, like, uh, I mean, not anymore, but you know, back then he, it was seen as like this wholesome family, you know, well off, you know, they're do- all doing great. They have their little problems, but the Simpsons, like these guys are broke as hell. The father strangles the son repeatedly. It was just jarring to see for all these people back then. Like I remember all the protests that they had, um, all the merchandise, you know, Bart Simpson CDs and all that. I've, I still haven't seen a show in ever since then that has had the cultural impact that the Simpsons has. There's shows that have come close, but the Simpsons in its prime in the late eighties, early nineties, nothing can really top it. The Simpsons fundamentally changed television. And I think, and I think that's a shame that like we even have to speak that we even have to speak to that fact just because it's just because kind of, how long it's gone on and how the show has changed. Like I'm a big, I'm a big later season fan defend. I'm a big later season defender. I think, I think for a while it was kind of, it kind of got to this point where it was basically fan fiction where like fans of the Simpsons got to write episodes of the Simpsons. But now, now I think, um, like so I I watched a few of the newer episodes. I think it kind of got back to. It's not as it's not the peak. Like nothing is ever going to be the peak of the Simpsons, but I think it kind of got back to that kind of sensibility of these are just regular families. You know what I mean? Like the Simpsons were always ridiculous, but it kind of it kind of got grounded. It kind of went back to earth a little bit. So, That's good. I think 
I think some of the newer season, I think season some episode, I think season thirty one is worth seeking out, Sav, just for the fact that it's kind of a, it's a return to form in a way. Good. Yeah, I'm not I, we're, we're binging saying. through the show, so I'm I'm ex- My wife's never seen it, so I had her. I've had her watching it. We're in like season seventeen right now, so I'm glad it's eventually going to kind of come back a little bit. Sorry, Sav, didn't mean to cut you. No, off. no, I'm not. Yeah, I I should exp- elaborate a little bit. I'm not necessarily saying the last 10 seasons are bad. It's more so how I have been in my TV consumption. I started getting less interested in it because I could notice there was a dip. At least I can't, I can't give an exact date on it, but like definitely for me around 2013 ish, um, I kind of stopped watching TV shows or at least keeping up with them on a week to week basis. Um, and I know Simpsons doesn't have like a, you know, a set storyline, but like, I didn't really like what it was going on a little bit. And then I just more so just completely ignored it. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm watching it. I'm keeping up with it. And it's bad. It was kind of like, I just wasn't really interested anymore. So I might, I might give that a, a, a you know, check it out again. Um, and if you listen to my list, you could actually see what I just said. It's kind of kept up with that. It's yeah. mostly, uh, shows that were ending around that 2013 area and then i've kind of gone into a more of an anthology kind of um uh where i like shows kind of anthologies where it's like you know i get a full season in six episodes and it's a full story versus this is going to be a tense uh you know a 10 season long series right that's one story more or less um but yeah I'll, i'll check it out yeah. Uh Lucas, you're number three. Oh, sorry, I'm back. Sorry. Clicking the wrong button. Number three is South Park. Um, okay. I uh, I can't describe I mean that this is another one that has shaped my sense of humor over the years. I remember when it first came out, you know, I love The Simpsons because Simpsons was still in its prime back when in nineteen ninety seven. But I, I didn't have Comedy Central and my grandparents did. So when I go to my grandparents' house with my dad, I would stay up and watch South Park at like 10 p.m. is when it came on. And I was so enthralled by it just because it was, you know, my mom didn't want me watching it. So it was like that mystique of, ooh, what, you know, what is this show like kind of. And when I was a little older, I, I bought like all the DVD seasons and I binged through the whole show. And it is, it's amazing how they make these episodes in like a five day period, you know, like Thursday, they'll plot for Mm -hmm. next Wednesday's episode. And so like, you know, if they were on right now, they would be making fun of all the quarantine shit. And if they had an episode on Wednesday, they'd probably be making fun of Michigan for the protests. They'd probably be doing a South Park protest episode. Um, Knowing Randy, how big a shithead Randy Marsh is. Um, and I just love the evolution of the characters because the first couple seasons are the four main hitters. You have, you know, you have the running gag with Kenny dying that eventually goes away for good. You have Kyle, you have Stan, you have, um, you have Cartman. And then it starts to evolve a little bit. Like you get to know Butters in what is probably the funniest <laughs> episode of the whole series. Oh, but the Butters show. Yeah. It's so dark but holy fucking shit, it is so funny. Everyone like, knows it's Butters. That's me. 
he loves John Alway. Alway. Uh, I could sing the whole song, but um, it, it, you know, it's slowly you get to learn about these other characters. Like you get to see Timmy and Jimmy fight in one of the all-time episodes too. Um, it it just it transcends time. It's twenty three, twenty four years old, and it's just amazing how these two dumbass college students made this show out of construction paper and are now set for, set for life. And I just love the evolution of characters and how fucking funny it is and how topical it is. Cause it keeps it fresh. And I, yeah. I just have to say Randy Marsh is no one's going to top Homer Simpson, but Randy Marsh is pretty close to it. Making him a main hitter in the show was a great turning point. A, for, the for the cream show. fresh episode. Is probably my oh my, Cause that's my God. how my, Oh, my dad yeah. is, is Randy Marsh in that, in that episode. <laughs> He's like Food Network twenty four seven. But yeah, I totally. It didn't make my list. Um, it probably could if I really wanted it to. But like, yeah, I, I totally agree with it. It it changed the game in the sense that like, oddly, the production quality is just yeah, like it's so bad. At least for a while, it was <laughs> that they were able to make the most topical episodes you it's something that happened like three days ago was in an episode on a cartoon right which is like an impossibility for other shows it's did just you, impossible and did you ever watch the documentary on it um oh god was it six, six days, days, six days to air yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's really cool like i just love it because bill Hader is like talking like i've been in writers room these guys are fucking insane and he like they're sitting there and uh, Trey Parker's just on the whiteboard writing, okay, what if he shits out his ass? Like they're doing the human <laughs> Senipad episode. And yeah. like Bill Hader and all these writers are just cracking up laughing. And it's just, I just, I'm amazed at how that show does its thing. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, I was not allowed to watch that show forever. Forever. No, <laughs> I, I started, um, I would sneak, I would sneak and watch it. It was. <laughs> It's just like I can't. It's so good, and I got my grandma to buy me the movie. She didn't even know what it was. I got her to buy me the movie on DVD. It's just a cartoon, Grandma. I love cartoons. I didn't know it was possible, but I'm pretty sure I wore the DVD out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. It's it's just like like it it shaped my humor and my view on the world in such a, in such a profound way. And I think, and I think, you know, it's, it's only getting, it's, it's only gotten more. It keeps evolving. Like they tried serialization a few seasons ago. Like they're like the animation's getting better. It's getting, you know, it's getting easier to do it in that six day window that they keep pushing. So I think, I think the show is definitely, the show definitely benefits from that insane window. Um, and the video games are really good too. That's another plus. Yeah. The fractured the butthole. Of truth and the fractured butthole are, Oh my God. I laugh so hard at those games and I, I love them. Like they're actually really fun to play on like certain other franchises. One of the funniest ones that was when, um, you know, I, sorry, my uh, memory for the show sometimes off, but like it's the one where they do the Christian rock. Uh, oh, faith plus one. Faith plus one. I just watched yeah. that one. <laughs> but like, um, that's exactly what happened with uh, Spirit in the Sky, that classic rock, uh, like 
the you know, whatever you see on like football movies and stuff or it's like the team that's you know like the clemson type team that's like really into religion and whatever yeah the, i think the i the think they song. literally i think they literally it's have exactly spirit in the sky and remember the titans but spirit in the sky is it's exactly what happened when it what they did in that show is basically what happened with spirit in the sky if you listen to the guy that wrote it he was like oh i just like want i just i'm not even like a religious person i just knew that it, would it was sell. gonna pop. It was gonna pop. It's <laughs> like butters like when, when they're when they're selling the CDs. Butters is at the Christian rock concert. Butters like we're actually doing this for the money. We really don't really we don't we're not really a religious band. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, and that's like exactly what happened with. Uh, I think there was some maybe a documentary or something on Spirit in the Sky, something that went into it. And then when I was watching it, I was like, wait, this is literally what happened. And obviously, I think they probably got the idea maybe from that, sh- from that song. It was just like, probably. if you can pander to, you know, <laughs> to these people, basically, well, you can just... The, the funniest you know, part of that episode is the, uh, the commercial for Faith Plus One. And it's like, I want to get on, I, I want to get down my knees and please... <laughs> please yeah. Jesus I'm like, I want to feel the spirit all over my face <laughs> oh my god yeah. I, I, and that kind of light he looks kind of hot <laughs> oh. so we gotta we gotta move on we're yes. we're in the yeah. this yeah. is becoming Let's, this is becoming a bit of an issue so my number three is succession um, I I fucking love succession my dad and I can hardly agree on anything to watch but we both fucking go apeshit for succession. Uh, we we both fucking we we fucking love in succession, not Inception. Inception's a good movie though. Um, the oh, Roy don't, even, don't even get Lucas started on that. Oh, yeah. well, okay, anyway, <laughs> I can see his half chub through Zoom. Uh, Please respond. <laughs> uh, I fucking love. I fucking love Succession. Everyone in that movie is such, everyone in that show is such a big piece of shit. And they all, and like they all get away with it. It's such a good, it's such a good kind of, um, I don't want to say inside look because it's fictionalized, but it's, it's realistic, right? It's like, you know that like the Murdoch family and the. That's who it was made after. It was, right. it was talking about them. Yeah the Murdoch family or like other families, like they all, they probably, they're probably exactly like that. So I fucking love succession. I can't wait for the, the new season got delayed because of all this shit. I'm so upset, but real quick, Brian Cox said the other day that the scripts are done. Uh, shooting is in August. And so they're looking at around December. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, Breaking that'll, news. Be that'll be good. Breaking news. Bacon wire can't stop breaking news. Another scoop. All right, all right. Sav number two. Um, so as I said before, I got really into anthologies, um, and Chernobyl is the, for the HBO show is one of the best things I've ever watched on TV. Um, in terms of Ooh, good pick. it's it's the reason why I really liked it is because I think most people learn about Chernobyl at least at some point in their lifetime, whether it's high school or college or whatever but uh but i learned so much more from this this uh that that show where i'm like okay there's no way that actually happened and i look up like okay this person existed and this this happened and i just never understood 
I never quite grasped the um, just how big the catastrophe could have been and just all of the the things that were underlying with the you know the government corruption and covering it up and everything like that um i just didn't quite grasp the uh the epicness of the whole the whole situation um especially with nuclear energy um i mean that's not really my expertise or anything so i just i mean i, I everybody knows that there's potential for it to be catastrophic but like i just didn't understand uh just how bad this whole situation could have been after watching it um and then you know you just want to make sure that when you watch something like that you you know check in to see if it's accurate i'm like okay wow this actually did happen uh wow and just the, you know regarding outside of that the actual show itself was amazing uh, right the acting incredibly well done it was just it was just it was just an incredible show yeah i think come back every single every single week yeah i think from um my list you know you can kind of gather that i'm not exactly i'm not exactly the biggest fan of like heavy dramas like that's what i kind of that's what i kind of go to movies for but um you know it's chernobyl is one of those shows that like you keep meaning to get into and you just never do like you keep telling yourself like all right i'm gonna Uh sit down and watch chernobyl i'm gonna sit down and watch chernobyl and then i always end up turning on south park so (laughs) it's or the office i i I get that so but uh, like i love history i love you know that's what that's what i want to do like i want to teach history so like i think sooner rather than later i'm gonna i'm gonna clockwork orange tape myself down and make me watch it you'll be hooked right away you'll... spin on me spin on me yes me i can't go boating <laughs> spit on me mommy whitner uh, yeah. <laughs> okay Lucas number two for me i love the book i worship the book even though the author hates the adaptations of movie and TV show. Oh, holy shit. I think we have the same number two. Watchmen. Watchmen. Yep. Fucking incredible. Unbelievable. I choked up uh, near the end of that show because it, it, I didn't think it would capture how I felt reading that book, but it did. And Damon Lindelof's a God, cause I have three of his, two of his three shows on my list. And it, you didn't, you didn't think, I wonder how he pitched that show. Like, hey, what do you think if? Uh, oh, I'm not going to spoil it. I Sav should watch Watchmen. Never mind. Well, so I've I've read the book and I watched oh, the movie, and okay. so I watched the first. I, it's something I've been trying to get back. I've been trying to get into. I'm it, not well, been, like, I don't want to spoil not, it because it's it's still pretty recent. So I don't know if I yeah. want to really go that far into it. But it's basically like, what if Doctor Manhattan were still on Mars, uh-huh. and what if Ozymandias is like a recluse somewhere and he wants to get out. And and it goes into the massacre of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it weaves it into Watchmen so amazingly. This story that's true, it makes it into this, like, this universe that I've known for 10, 12 years. You know, I I read the book right a little bit before the movie came out. But it stuck with me. And as soon as my wife and I finished it, I was like, I want to watch it again. I really do. And you hooked me in with Damon Lindelof and then Don Johnson's an underrated actor and you have Regina King hot off her Oscar and you have Yaya Abdul-Mateen who's an underrated actor. And then you completely get me to bite on the line when Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are on the score. And I mentioned this in the last set pod, but you know, it's just, it works so well. It's a fucking brilliant show. It is well done 
start to finish. If I could have, I could have watched it in one sitting. Watchmen, one of the one of the best TV shows ever made. Period. Yeah, you covered. Um, I got the book in seventh grade when I was in seventh grade, and I basically read it every single. Like I read, I like make a, I make it a mission to like reread it once a year. And right. every time I'm, every time I reread it, I take away a different. I take away a different perspective. I, I sympathize with a new character. I come to understand it a little better each time I read it. And like the Zack Snyder movie is, is fine. Like it's probably the, it's probably the best possible. It's probably the best possible thing that, that could have come out. I remember watching it and I said, this should have been a TV show. And sure as shit, 10 years later, it's a TV show. Yeah. And when I first, and you know, when I, Lindelof was very smart, you know, because he kind of used his leverage a little bit. Um, HBO originally wanted to do the book and Lindelof's like, I'm not going to do that. The only way we can do it is if we, is if we kind of go past the book. I pray he has more ideas someday. I, oh, I really hope we get more, but I, I, it needs to be him. Yeah. The choices they made, the way they talk about race and the way they tie in Tulsa is just, it's done in such a compelling and compassionate and eye opening way that like, you don't even, you don't even think about it. And Absolutely. Like, you, you'll come out with a different understanding of, with a different understanding of the world than you do coming in. And I think that's true of both the book and the show. And I think that's the show's biggest success is that it carries so much of the spirit of the book, but it, yes. it, it's, it builds and the, the narrative choices it makes are so incredible. Like, Holy shit. That's like the best, like that's better than anything than maybe I could, that's better than anything I could have come up with. It's so intimidating to to like watch something and be like how can like i i, can't I have do no, that. no no notes like i always have something i can do like a film or a <clears throat> excuse me tv show can do better um, but like with watchmen i i didn't like i just i couldn't right. think of anything they could improve like, my my wife is a film school grad so i make fun of her being snobby um for certain things like she hates watching trailers whereas i love watching trailers Cause she's like, I would just want to see the movie. But um, with Watchmen, you know, I was really curious to get her opinion because she's never read the book. She saw the movie once and I'm sitting here like a big hog, you know, dump the slop in the trough and I'll eat it up if it's Watchmen. And she's, we finished the show and she's got tears in her eyes from the end and I'm not going to give it away. And cause she loves a good love story. And she goes, that was a probably the most perfect TV show I've ever seen in my life. And coming off right after watching Parasite, too. She's like, man, 2019 went out with a bang for sure. Yeah, it didn't make my top ten because I haven't really watched. I watched the first episode. Um, it, it not, By no means I not like it. It was just I kind of forgot to get back yeah. into it. It could easily – because I've read the book. I've, I've watched the movie. I've done, like, I read the book. Um, I think I did it after the movie, but I was – probably a little young at the time maybe to have read i can't remember it was a while ago but anyway 
Um, it's gonna it's gonna skyrocket totally up your it's, list. It'll, it, will. it can easily skyrocket because well, first of all, I'm a sucker for HBO anything. Like I, they just they don't miss at all. <laughs> so, um, Sav, let's run. Let's let's finish this yeah, monster. So here. this is this is um. It's probably gonna be a little out of left field uh, because it's probably not objectively one of the best ever. It's it's definitely very good, uh, but the Fargo anthologies, okay, especially se- season one. I just love, love that show one. so much. I love that show so much. I can rewatch the anthology once a month if I want to. I don't, but like I could. I just for some reason that show, especially in the past my adult life, it's easily my favorite. Uh, my favorite show. Um, and again, especially season one. I don't know why. We don't have to get too deep into it, but you know, um uh Billy Bob and uh Martin uh Freeman, uh I don't know, they just <laughs> the dynamic in that in that show is just it's just it's it's so good to me. Do you um, wanna are you sure you wanna do this, Lester? Yeah, oh, no, I, that show it's just so he first of all, I I'm not a big Billy Bob fan in general. Uh like he especially in his real he's such a cock in real life especially because he has his band he wants to be like more of a musician than an actor and he wants him to be like at like he wants to be equally known as a musician as an actor and it's like dude it's just not gonna happen like he had this interview a while ago i don't know if you guys have seen it where he was just so offended at the thought of bringing up the fact that he's an actor during an interview doesn't surprise me about his music and it's like dude like it they go hand in hand first of all your band wouldn't be that famous if you weren't the drummer or whatever you do like you would not be you you make solid music but like i don't know anyway that's a different story but i don't know why i love that show that's my number one uh because just the rewatchability in terms of the dramatic or the drama that it has and the, the humor it has on the rewatchability for me is number one for me yeah, um, you know, I have a lot of cultural blind spots. Like, I've never, like, I never, like, sat down and truly did a full watch of The Sopranos. Like, I've never, yeah. I've never seen an episode of The Wire, you know, just things. Sopranos is fucking yeah. amazing. Things like that. It's just kind of like, my dad rewatches The Sopranos, like, once a month. So, like, I just, <laughs> so I catch episodes and I get the, and I get the gist, but. Like Fargo is definitely one of the ones that like I keep meaning to seek out, but like it's just even when you have all the time in the world on your hands and you're locked in your house, like there's still so much shit that's coming out. It's like daunting. So it's, no, just, it's overwhelming. Right. That's how, that's how I feel. Like everything on Netflix and HBO and everything, it's like overwhelming to me. All the objectively good content out there. Um, right. I don't it's, know. it's just kind of. But Fargo is definitely something I, I keep I keep meaning to get around to and I'll get to it eventually maybe. Season season two was more critically acclaimed, uh, but season one I just enjoyed way more. And it's season one slapped so actually, hard. Yeah. Season yeah. one's season one is basically the movie, right? Because I've seen the movie, I love the movie. Am I am I right in saying that or is it kind um, of full disclosure, I've never seen the movie. Yeah, I've seen. I I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but it's it's somewhat close, I would say. But it's okay. not like uh, it's 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 supposed to be a totally different thing. But right, but it's it's the closest thing to the movie that the show. Yeah. Gave. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, number number one for me. Uh, we've already talked about it, it's The Simpsons. Um, 
the first show I remember watching uh, shaped my whole sense of humor. Seasons one through nine or ten uh, transcendent transcend television. It's pop culture. It shaped pop culture. It shaped the early to mid nineties. Um, Homer Simpson, one of the most brilliantly written characters ever and voiced by one of the greatest voice actors ever, Dan Castellaneta. Um, every time I see him in a sh- movie, I'm like the Leo meme nobody, where he's pointing. Yeah. Nobody knows who he is. You're like, and I'm just like, that's Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah. And my wife's like, who? I'm like, that's Dan Castellaneta. That's Homer Simpson. And it's just, it's had a profound impact on my life. Like my dad and I still watch it and he'll like text me, you know, watching, you know, when he, when Mr. Burns, uh, when they tried, they sent him a shitty letter and Homer's trying to, trying to get it back. He goes, hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. Okay. Just need your first name. <laughs> he goes, I don't know. Like that right there. Like it just peak television. It's television. It's finest. It's comedy. It's finest. When Conan wrote, it was so crazy. Um, Great show. My favorite of all time, default number one. Yeah, um, I think um, Springfield Confidential, going back to the book, um, it has um, Mike Rice. um, He said that the key to writing Homer Simpson is that you treat him like a golden retriever. Yep. And that just makes, that just makes like a crazy amount of sense to me. Like he's this loving, he's this loving goofball that'll just bounce off the walls and do the first thing that comes to his head. And like, those are the high, like I said, like the Simpsons exists, like it transcends TV for me personally, just because it's been in my life so long and I've seen so much of it so often. And so many incredible memes from it too. Right. And just so many incredible, so many incredible moments, memes, quotes, lines that it just, and writers but obviously and right yeah fucking writers talent it, yeah. it just it would be number one with a bullet for me but it just like it would be too boring and i have to like i have to consider it like outside of what i consider to be tv like there's tv it's exactly how like dark knight transcends uh superhero movies right you, can night That's and, a- <laughs> you, you can't you can like almost can't even mention it with other superhero movies because it's like it's just it's it's too epic too good it's just too well done to be like considered with the with the infinity wars of the world and whatnot. yeah like it's it just, transcends it, it just yeah. it, it exists outside of any preconceived notion of of what television is so mm-hmm. um my number one um this is going to come as kind of a, you know, this is kind of an upset. I've changed my number one four times since I've, since I wrote the list earlier today. Um, but I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about this. My number one shows, my number one favorite TV, TV show is community. Okay. Um, you know, the first time I had ever heard of community was, um, I was studying abroad in London and, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of homesick. I was getting a little homesick. So I watched, um, so like my brother and I, like we watch Rick and Morty together. That's one of our things. So we were watching Rick and Morty and um, it's on UK. It was on UK Netflix there. 
So I got um, like a recommendation in my feed for this documentary, Harmontown, which was this thing Dan Harmon produced. It was basically he goes on tour with his podcast the year after he gets fired from community when he plays that Chevy Chase voicemail. Um, it's this whole saga. I won't go into it. It's this enveloping thing, but he, it's this documentary and it goes into like his thought process and his writing. And I really kind of, kind of related to him. You know, he's just kind of this guy who, 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 wants better and he just kind of feels like shit. So he treats other people like shit. And like at that point in my life, I kind of like really connected to that. So I checked out the show and it hit me, it hit me on a level that I didn't expect it to. Like it just kind of like, it spoke to me and my sensibilities and the way I think about the world, the way I think about movies, the way I think about my relationship with other people. It just kind of hit, it kind of hit me in that, it kind of hit me in that zone. And it's just one of those things where it was almost like a, like a, like a religious revival. Like once you know, like, you know, and it hits you and you're just in, and you know, I've been in on the show ever since. And you know, I, there are other shows that I think have been more important to like the way I see the work, the way, like my sense of humor, like my personality, but community just, it hit me at the right time. And it hit me in a way that I haven't been the same since, since I finished it the first time. Yeah, that will definitely, that'll definitely get number one for sure. Based on how you're <laughs> talking about it. Like I, I never, I didn't. I I think I've only seen an episode, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, I um, I think it's. I could be wrong on this. I know it was a popular show. It was on NBC. NBC if I'm correct. Uh, you're you're like, <laughs> like it was like it would it was always on the verge of cancellation. Yeah, no, every sorry, sorry. every every no, May we, they'd be like, "Is community gonna?" What I was going to say was it was popular in the sense that it was on like a, it was on NBC. There was right. definitely a following. But what I was about to say was I think that it has it was always clearly overshadowed. I can't remember the exact time that it was on, but like by definitely Office and Parts and Rec and like those ones get the most pub from that kind of time period. But I feel like at least in a little while, I mean, probably right now, it's always going to like there's some 90s shows every once in a while come back and that are like cult classic TV shows. I feel like community is going to be one of those shows. That's kind of like, um, what is that? Freaks and geeks like made a huge comeback a couple of years ago. I don't know. There's always like some that are just kind of cult classics. That's the vibe I get from it. Maybe I'll need to check it out, but I, w- I watched it on and off. Cause it was on at the same time as the office, like on that Thursday night, you know, comedy. Yeah, it did. It did follow blog. the office, and you know, it kind of, it, it was kind of like meant to be. Like, this is what we're gonna show when the off, like when the office like ends its season. So they kind of lined it up to where, like the where like the first six episodes would align with like the office's last six episodes, and then it would kind of take over the office's spot, 
and it was never really the same and it kept changing days and it kept changing times yeah and NBC was kind of trying to kill it eventually they were yeah like, and like that whole the whole spat with chevy chase kind of forced NBC's hand and they fired they fired dan Harmon, and they got a different showrunner and then and then they hired dan back and then they canceled the show the season after that it was a lot of it was a lot of jerking around but like it wasn't like cavemen though where it was just no like it wasn't yeah it wasn't shot in the head from the jump it was kind of given a Chevy Chase wasn't he isn't he like a gigantic asshole like piece of shit yeah he's a he's a massive piece of shit no one wants to work with him he's an asshole like I remember Caddyshack like Bill Murray and him fucking hated each other like they had that one scene together and they were like that's all I'm gonna do is one scene sorry I'm not trying to derail I just I forgot about the whole Chevy Chase uh, uh, stuff. No, Chevy Chase is a massive dick. Um, that I that's kind of well known. So, um, and he wasn't Dan's first choice, and Chevy kind of hated. Like they would shoot. For, oh, okay. And they would shoot for like sixteen hours. Like they had abnormally long shooting schedules for like a for like a network sitcom, and it just kind of. And the writers, like, he would always bitch to the writers about how he was written and the things he did. So the writers, he kind of turned into, like, a villain just because they were sick of, they were sick of the way, they were sick of the notes he was giving and, like, being treated like shit. And that only kind of, that kind of perpetuated itself in this cycle. Um, But. Interesting. Yeah, like, community, it just kind of, it kind of found me at the right time and I'll never, I'll never forget that show. And it's on Netflix right now. And I'm so happy that it's having this kind of, that it's having this kind of resurgence on Netflix. I hope that, I hope that we get a movie. Cause like the big thing for the longest time is like six seasons and a movie. I really hope we get the movie. What, I'm sure it's inevitable. That, uh, that supermarket show. Superstore, Superstore, Super so good. Similar vibes. Uh, it, it, oh, dude, totally, it's so it's good. Totally off base, but like, I I really like that show. I was like, I think this is a similar vibe that I got from the Community when I first started watching it. Um, Superstore uh, is more like The Office. Like you get, it, it kind of has that dynamic with the two main characters. Um, but yeah, the vibe. I but then I'm talking more about the working at a supermarket or going to community college. Yeah, like, I, yeah. like where everybody's kind of in that, like not, I don't know. There's, I don't We're not thinking of that. Superstore's super yeah. got a bit more of a sweet tooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I work, yeah. I worked retail. So like all the shit you see the customers do, that's dead on. Like, it's so <laughs> fucking funny and absurd. Like my wife just watches it and then someone does something crazy and I go, yeah, that's happened to me. But yeah, Superstore's <laughs> yeah. super a good yeah. watch. Like, you don't have to pay full attention like Big Bang Theory, but it is a good show. Yeah. So, um, Sav, <laughs> we got to wrap up. This is yeah. this is a monster. This is going to be a monster episode. Big boy pod. We've, we've, this is going <laughs> to fuck our analytics. Uh, Sav, your top ten, Flight of the Concords, Futurama, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Parks and Rec, the first four seasons of Walking Dead, seasons one and three of True Detective, <laughs> The Office, Simpsons, the Simpsons, Chernobyl, and Fargo. Lucas, your top 10, Parks and Rec, Succession, The Leftovers, Chappelle Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Breaking Bad, Always Sunny, South Park, Watchmen, 
and The Simpsons. My top 10, South Park, American Dad, Breaking Bad, Parks and Rec, High Fidelity, The Mandalorian, Letterkenny, Succession, Watchmen, and Community. Uh, Sav, thanks for coming on, man. I'm glad yeah. we could. I'm glad we could work it out and get you back I'll, on. Hopefully, I'll, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll come back on. Whenever, I got <laughs> However long it, you know, I don't know what the future is for the pod, but hopefully we can get yeah, this well, uh, rolling we'll, when sports are coming on and stuff. Where we can yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. Hopefully, sports come back soon, so we don't. They have to will. Fucking, let's let's be positive. They they yeah, will. don't have to keep. Fucking like, like I'm going to use real quick before we leave. I'm going to use the bacon power, the bacon wire power. <laughs> Tenet do will not get delayed. I'm just going to will that into existence. Oh, Tenet you is can, not getting you, delayed. You cannot handle that. If sure. Tenet if Tenet gets delayed, we're going to have to put you on watch. Yeah, we yeah. have to have a, a daily uh, daily <laughs> daily check ins with you for sure. I have yeah. faith. I'm just going to have faith, but whatever. Tenet not getting delayed. Bacon wire says. Okay. So there All we right. go. I'm done. All right. So, uh, Sav, do you have a do you have a song to take us out on? Yeah, let's do. Um, shout out to uh, to Lucas for this. Let's get some uh, Gorilla Radio by uh, Raging Machine. Oh hell yeah, brother! All right, we're gonna go out. Uh, we're gonna go out on Gorilla Radio, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Sav, thanks for coming on. Where can the people yeah. find you? You can find me at uh, Big Sad or Big Ten Sad. I don't to pronounce it, but it's B One G S A D. So classic, Sav. All right, can't Lucas. find me anywhere else though. You can't find me. Okay, you can you can find me at MSU Devotee. Honk honk. Go green. <laughs> Go white. I'm I'm Spartan Dog ninety seven. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. We'll go back to our regular reporting schedule. Uh, we'll talk to you later.
time. What better place than here? What better time than now? Yeah. <laughs>